Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about syphilis. And you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com slash syphilis or in the genito-urinary medicine section of the Zero to Finals Obstetrics and Gynecology book. So let's get straight into it. Syphilis is caused by a bacteria called Treponema pallidum. This bacteria is a spirochete, a type of spiral-shaped bacteria. The bacteria gets in through the skin or the mucous membranes, replicates and then disseminates throughout the body. It's mainly a sexually transmitted infection. The incubation period between the initial infection and symptoms is 21 days on average. Let's talk about transmission. Syphilis can be contracted through oral, vaginal or anal sex involving direct contact with an infected area, vertical transmission from mother to baby during pregnancy, intravenous drug use or blood transfusions or other transplants although this is rare due to screening of blood products. Let's talk about the stages. Primary syphilis involves a painless ulcer called a chancre at the original site of infection, usually on the genitals. Secondary syphilis involves systemic symptoms, particularly on the skin and the mucous membranes. These symptoms can resolve after 3 to 12 weeks, at which point the patient enters the latent stage. Latent syphilis occurs after the secondary stage of syphilis, where symptoms disappear and the patient becomes asymptomatic despite still being infected. Early latent syphilis occurs within two years of the initial infection and late latent syphilis occurs from two years after the initial infection onwards. Tertiary syphilis can occur many years after the initial infection and affects many organs of the body, particularly with the development of gummers and cardiovascular and neurological complications. Neurosyphilis occurs if the infection involves the central nervous system and involves neurological symptoms. So let's talk about the presentation and symptoms. Primary syphilis can present with a painless genital ulcer or chancre and this tends to resolve over 3 to 8 weeks and local lymphadenopathy with swollen lymph nodes. Secondary syphilis typically starts after the chancre has healed with symptoms of a maculopapular rash, condylomata lata, which are grey wart-like lesions around the genitals and the anus, a low-grade fever, lymphadenopathy, alopecia, which is localised hair loss, and oral lesions. Tertiary syphilis can present with several symptoms depending on the affected organs. Key features to be aware of are gummatous lesions, and gummers are granulomatous lesions that can affect the skin, organs and bones, aortic aneurysms and neurosyphilis. Neurosyphilis can occur at any stage if the infection reaches the central nervous system and it presents with symptoms of a headache, altered behaviour, dementia, tabes dorsalis, which is demyelination affecting the spinal cord posterior columns, ocular syphilis where it affects the eyes, paralysis and sensory impairment. An Argyle-Robertson pupil is a specific finding in neurosyphilis. 
It refers to a constricted pupil that accommodates when focusing on a near object but does not react to light. Argyle-Robertson pupils are often irregularly shaped. It's commonly called a prostitute's pupil due to the relation to neurosyphilis and because it accommodates but does not react. Let's just talk about making the diagnosis. Antibody testing for antibodies to the T. pallidum bacteria can be used as a screening test for syphilis. Patients with suspected syphilis or positive antibodies should be referred to the Specialist Genitourinary Medicine Centre for further testing. Samples that have been taken from sites of infection can be tested to confirm the presence of the T. pallidum bacteria. And there are two methods for this. Dark field microscopy and polymerase chain reaction or PCR testing. The rapid plasma reagent, abbreviated to RPR, and venereal disease research laboratory, abbreviated to VDRL, tests are two non-specific but sensitive tests used to assess for active syphilis infection. These tests assess the quantity of antibodies being produced by the body in response to an infection with syphilis. A higher number indicates a greater chance of active disease. These tests involve introducing a sample of serum to a solution containing antigens and assessing the reaction. A more significant reaction suggests a higher quantity of antibodies. The tests are non-specific, meaning they often produce false positive results. And there's a skill to both performing and interpreting the results of these tests. Finally, let's talk about the management of syphilis. All patients should be managed and followed up by a specialist service, such as genitourinary medicine. As with all sexually transmitted infections, patients need full screening for other STIs, advice about avoiding sexual activity until treated, contact tracing, and prevention of future infections. A single deep intramuscular dose of benzathine benzyl penicillin is the standard treatment for syphilis. Alternative regimes and types of penicillin are used in different scenarios, for example latent syphilis and neurosyphilis. Keftriaxone, amoxicillin and doxycycline are alternatives. Thanks for listening to this episode on syphilis. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing this podcast and I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll move on to a whole new series on contraception and start with an episode all about the basics of contraception.